Please listen carefully. Before we get started, a content review. Today's episode talks about death and suicide. This can be really intense and it may bring up personal reactions. If you are having thoughts about suicide, there is help available, and this is the time to talk to someone you trust. In the United States, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1 800 273 8255. That's 1 800 273 8255. There's also a crisis text line, 741 741. If you're in another part of the world, you can also type suicide prevention into Google. We care about you and we want you to be safe. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Hey, James. Welcome back to our third and final episode of Picture This. We are talking about 13 Reasons Why, the Netflix TV show based on the popular book. And we have talked about so far why people think about suicide, the reactions other people have after suicide, And now I wanted to broaden it up a little bit and think about talking about suicide in general. This show was really popular and a lot of people were talking about it. It was the most tweeted about show of 2017. It really touched a nerve for a lot of people. I was thinking a lot about the last one, episode 13 with the counselor, Mr. Porter, Mm -hmm. because the show ends on that note. And he was like one of the last people that she talked with herself And this idea of if someone comes to you as a medical provider, uh, like, what do you do? Like, how do you even approach that? And do you have a sense of what he did, how he approached it with her? I don't think that there's one correct way to talk about this, but I think the show did portray ways that were not helpful in terms of how to talk to someone who's struggling through some sort of a crisis situation. Okay. Number one, I don't think he picked up on some of the red flags that she was exhibiting during their conversation, especially when she was talking about wanting everything to stop, feeling numb. I don't think he picked up on that in quite a way that was helpful or felt like it didn't seem like she felt like he heard her. And then the second thing that stood out to me was when Hannah was talking about the rape. I think it was a tricky situation for the counselor because Hannah wanted him to guarantee that her perpetrator would go to jail. And I mean, realistically, I, you know, I don't think that that was something that the counselor could have 100 percent guaranteed. But I think what he did instead with that kind of discomfort was to not support her, to not listen to her, to not thank her for coming to him. And in some ways, I felt like he was a little bit shaming of her, a fair amount shaming of her, actually, in that situation. And he didn't instill hope, a key thing that was missed. And she left there kind of feeling more hopeless than she went into the room. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I mean, he said things like, was there something you did? Was there any reasons why he would have done this? without really first addressing the distress that she was in. It sort of ended up like, was this your fault? Right. It felt very blaming as opposed to like empathizing with her pain, her distress, 
not he wasn't getting at the emotions underneath it and I felt like kind of went into this more protective mode like what do I have to do to protect myself in caring for a student with this situation uh-huh and then like you said I mean in terms of instilling a sense of hope what would he have said or what could he have said you know, maybe one thing you could have said is like, I can't guarantee that we will attain this outcome, but I do know that you coming here is a big step. And I, I know that we could help you. I know that there are things that we can do to make sure that you get back on the track that you want to get on. I'm so glad you came here today. That was really important and really brave of you. Yeah. So thanks for yeah. being validating open. that courage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things the counselor did decently so as not to just totally bash him. He asked a lot of open-ended type questions and questions that got out of her sense of what might happen in the future. Like when she was talking about how stressful things were, how would you like things to be different as a way to help her think about what she could change in her life and the, the self-efficacy that she might have. He also, she said, I needed to stop. And he said, what needs to stop? And she said, life. And that was a pretty key moment. Uh, I mean, I think clarifying what it is, I need it to stop, was important. Mm -hmm. And then she said, life. And to me, that was a pretty big red flag. And then he missed that. Right. I feel like he should have asked her way more questions after that about, about what she meant. I agree. So I think he was right on the first question and then missed on the second one which is really hard. It's a stressful situation to be in as I'm sure you've noticed when you talk with people for whom suicide has come up that it can feel really uncomfortable and scary. One thing that felt realistic about the show to me is the fact that when they have reviewed records of people who have attempted or died by suicide, many, many of them have gone to see a healthcare professional not long before they died. And so in that sense, the show hit that on the head. There is this sense of reaching out. I'm asking for help, is a quote that Hannah said. I felt like I could beat this. There is this sense of positivity or hopefulness. And like you said, there's no right way to do it. But learning some more effective strategies is really important. Mm -hmm. What do you think for the people listening, like what would be most helpful in terms of what they could take away from our conversation about this. I would practice talking to people about this, about death and about suicide. Mm -hmm. It's going to feel really uncomfortable the first couple of times you do it. You're going to feel awkward. You're going to feel out of place. You're going to feel like you're prying into someone's life. Those are all the things that I felt when I was doing it. And yet you need to do it. Mm -hmm. You need to ask them things like, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Are you thinking about death and do you want to be dead right now? And I think one common misconception about asking these questions is like, oh, my God, if I ask this question, will they be more likely to do it? And the answer is no. And in fact, talking about it is most helpful because that can facilitate getting them into the treatment that they need. The idea would be that this is already something that might be on their mind. And so by asking them honestly and it allows them to feel more comfortable like this is not scary for you and so they can bring it up and not worry you mm -hmm. sometimes there raises a question of do you need to disclose confidential material right if somebody says this to you like what do you do because you said the counselor is kind of nervous about himself and looking out for himself mm -hmm. now the laws and rules about what exists are really different between where we live and where you might live so i can't say that you definitely should or should not 
except that this does come up. And so I think it also behooves you to know if somebody said this to you, what are my responsibilities ahead of time so that you don't feel caught up in the moment and trying to worry about two things at the same time. And then I think one other thing that might help you when you're having these sorts of conversations is just to know what the resources are in your area. You know, is there a local, there's a national suicide hotline. We mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but are there other local resources that can be helpful? Is there a hospital nearby that you can send someone to if they are having a suicidal crisis? Just kind of knowing what the resources are in your community can make you feel more equipped um, and comfortable to have this conversation. And speaking of resources, I think about resources for you. You know, after somebody has told me things like this, it really weighs on me. Sometimes I'm thinking about it later for days and days, weeks, months later. I still remember people have told me this a while ago. And so what's available for you, right? Think about doctors that you know, whether it's a psychiatrist or another person in the mental health or medical fields that you feel like you could talk to, right? Yeah, I think that's really important and is also yeah, to be aware of kind of what's going on for you and the support that you need. Mm-hmm. To be an effective advocate for someone else. Yeah. When I think about talking about suicide, there's the one-on-one, right, which we've been talking about a little bit. How did the counselor talk with Hannah? And we talked about ways he could have done it better and ways he did it sort of okay. And then I think about how do we talk about suicide in general? Like how do we as a community, a country think about suicide and like you said this show was talked about a lot Mm -hmm. people were tweeting about all over i had heard about it long before i watched it lots and lots of people kids teenagers adults talked about it and it generated some controversy i would say yeah it did generate a fair amount of controversy especially from the mental health field kind of expressing concerns about how hannah's suicide was depicted and then broader public health concerns about how this might affect you know, people who are watching the show. What were some of the criticisms people had? Number one, how the suicide was portrayed. You know, yeah. there's there's different ways you can portray suicide. It can be off screen. It can be on screen. It can be like a quick cutaway. And for this particular show, they chose to show a very graphic and prolonged, brutal suicide scene. Yeah, Do you remember what your reaction is when you were watching it? It was hard to watch, honestly. It was, I thought it was a pretty brutal scene and I, it felt scary and kind of very intense, honestly. I had a really similar reaction. I, the words that came to mind were hard to watch. Seeing someone hurt themselves, right? Like she had a razor blade and applying it to her skin. There was a lot of blood. She was gasping there's no music playing in the background. Mm-hmm. There was no voiceover that was happening in the background. It was very still. The shots were long. And I think all of the artistic choices amplified the intensity of what was already an intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for a lot of, for the show's producers, they, they depicted this scene in its full intensity, kind of as a deterrent against suicide. But a lot of suicide experts have concern that showing graphic suicide scenes for people who are kind of in vulnerable situations who maybe are experiencing suicidal thoughts already, it can make that idea more accessible to them or even somehow seem appealing, even though to other people it might not. Gotcha. I think for people struggling with mental health issues or suicidal thoughts, they might really identify with these characters in this storyline. And 
depicting this suicide as the way out of someone's struggles, I think people can maybe identify with that. It goes back a little bit to what we were saying last episode with witnessing violent death and the different reactions people can have. And it even goes back to the first episode where we were talking about witnessing trauma, like you were saying, as something that reduces the barrier to harm for yourself. And I wonder if in some people, especially people that are more vulnerable, that's the concern, right? Watching this is almost like watching a death. If you conceive this to be real life, then it's almost like watching it in real life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There is kind of an interesting producer quote that I wrote down about the suicide scene. He said, it seemed to me the perfect opportunity to show what an actual suicide really looks like, to dispel the myth of the quiet drifting off and to make viewers face the reality of what happens when you jump from a burning building into something much, much worse. And I do think to that end, 13 Reasons Why does avoid turning the suicide into some sort of like romantic thing where like Hannah's body looks really, you know, lovely and white and beautiful. Because I, I, you can see kind of those depictions and like old paintings of like Ophelia from Hamlet who committed suicide. Like She looks very peaceful in her death. And I, I do think the show managed to avoid that, but not without the risks that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it- when you see this violence, what does that bring up in you? Does mm-hmm. it beget more violence or does it beget sickening sort of uh, repulsive quality? Mm-hmm. Are there other things that people had concerns about this show in addition to just the visual of suicide itself? Yeah, I think some of the things that people in the mental health community have brought up is that this show kind of focuses public attention on suicide, but it does so without providing all of the resources that you might want to be available when you're talking about issues that are as intense as this. The executive director of the Suicide Awareness Voices of Education said that 13 Reasons Why has definitely started a conversation about suicide, but it hasn't been the right one. In other words, the show brought up this issue as like fodder for young people, but maybe brought it up in a way that could have had negative consequences for vulnerable people. How could the show have gone about this in a way that was more productive? One thing that they did after the show came out was that before certain episodes would add information about the suicide hotline and they also added this after show that people could watch called Beyond 13 Reasons Why that like dug into more of the nuance of some of the issues that the show brought up. So having more information would be helpful. Yeah, I think so. I think so. For example, one thing that was mentioned in terms of breaking down stigma around suicide, according to suicide experts, is that the most effective way to do that is to have people share their personal stories of struggle and then recovery, which is called contact-based education. And like that is a super effective way framing these issues and also providing a sense of hope to, to maybe viewers struggling with suicidal ideation and depression personal context is really what a lot of this hinges on right so the show leaves with this sense of this is something that happened but it's not interactive it's tv is a one-way media Mm -hmm. so there's no conversation that comes from that Mm -hmm. one way to approach it is then to actually ask people what it was like for them how was it for you to watch this tv show have you ever thought about something like this do you know anyone have people talked about it does it come up amongst your friends do you worry about this? Those are questions that are okay for parents to ask kids, or I mean, they're also okay for, to ask anyone. 
but especially for parents to talk to kids about so it doesn't become the situation where you've handed them this really complicated potentially really scary and this sort of like hot potato right where you just Mm -hmm. like have it and then you have no way to deal with it yeah absolutely you know it's interesting there was a study that came out of northwestern in which three professors with backgrounds in psychology and communication surveyed 5,000 teens young adults and parents in like four different regions of the world and it it really showed that the series actually resonated with young adults. They found it helpful to kind of see some of these issues depicted on the screen. And it, it did help them to engage in conversation around difficult issues, not only with their friends, but also with parents, teachers, and counselors. And it reported that parents felt more able to talk about these issues and kind of ask some of the questions that you just mentioned with their kids and that viewers reported feeling more empathic and engaging in helping others after watching the show. So it did have some benefits for a number of people who watched. That's great. We're an example of that, right? Like we're talking about the show because it had a big impact on people. And so if so it seems like maybe it can generate some discussion in a potentially useful way. Yeah, which is important instead of remaining silent about these topics. They're going on in people's lives. It's important that we do talk about them. I agree. One concern that some people had was about this idea of contagion. That by having suicide present and in the popular media that it might spur other people to do that, which has happened at other times before this. Yeah, and there actually is a study that came out in JAMA Internal Medicine that looked at the question of suicide contagion after 13 Reasons Why came out. And it did show that Google searches about suicide rose 20% in the three weeks after the show came out. So kind of to give you some numbers, there were 1.5 million more searches about terms related to suicide than usual. And specifically, some of those search terms did look at means and involving suicidal thoughts and ideation. For example, terms like how to kill yourself or how to commit suicide. That said, it's unclear if an increase in the searches about suicide meant an actual increase in suicide attempts. There's typically a correlation, but that wasn't something that was a part of this study. And some of the search terms were suicide hotline number. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't all like the negative aspects. It it could have been people looking for resources for help. So in that way, it it increased both potentially people thinking about suicide, but also more like suicide awareness. Mm -hmm. I guess just in general, suicide contagion is something we should be thinking about, especially for teens and adolescents. They are more likely to die by suicide due to social contagion just in general, Um, especially teens age 15 to 19. They're two to four times more likely. So I just think something to kind of be mindful of when you're, you know, working with this patient population or if you know any teens and adolescents in your life, they just are more impressionable and vulnerable to things going around in their peer group. I was thinking a lot about how media portrays suicide, and I was reading this group called the Samaritans, which are based in the the UK, and this idea that there are different ways that suicide is discussed in all media, newspapers, movies, and they actually have guidelines that are written out for media organizations, which include things like if you're writing about the death of a celebrity in a newspaper, to actually talk about them first before talking about the death, 
and to talk about the death in a pretty neutral way that you would otherwise do it. Like last time we were talking about natural death or violent death. And so to say, for instance, like he was found dead instead of all the gory details that sometimes sensationalize suicide and really focus on that as opposed to focusing on this person who otherwise lived a very lengthy life. Mm -hmm. There's also this tendency and this is ultimately where I kind of landed up with 13 reasons why there's this common media portrayal that suicide happens after something really bad happens. So she was both witness to and the recipient of uh, violence through sexual assault. Clearly sexual assault is awful and it has long lasting consequences. However, often depression and suicide happens without something really bad necessarily Mm -hmm. and that is what makes it shocking to people this sort of uncertainty we don't know exactly why this is happening in this sense of isolation i think 13 reasons why as a media outlet really leans on suicide as a revenge fantasy and i think that's why so many mental health experts are upset because it feels like the message that it takes out is something bad happens, I need to get revenge, and this is what she ends up doing, as opposed to this is a person who is struggling in a lot of ways we've already talked about. She had significant signs of depression. She was exhibiting a lot of cognitive distortions. And without saying that she was right or wrong or good or bad, that there was a real way that she was looking at this world And then this is sort of the result of that. I agree. That was one of the things that stood out to me as kind of problematic when watching the show was just that Hannah's suicide did seem vindictive in some ways. And at the same time, it portrayed her death as being a force of change and like helping people to recognize like what they did wrong. And I don't know that that is the way that most suicides are, honestly. That hasn't been my experience, though. As I think back over the last few episodes as we've talked about a lot of this, there are a lot of really interesting things that the show has raised. I think there are a lot of things they did well. And as a force for media and mental health portrayal, I would push them to think about some of these other aspects that we've talked about towards the end of the show, how they're portraying it, what this looks like, and how it has the potential to influence other people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the show brings up some really important issues that teens face, and that's a good discussion to have, but the show probably could have done it with more nuance. I think that the show is a media production, right? It's meant to have a wide audience. It's meant to be something that's entertaining and enjoyable and interesting to watch. I'm not expecting any form of media to be 100% like the most realistic portrayal of mental health or anything to be honest there's lots of things in this show that were outside the realm of possibility and still interesting to pick them apart a little bit and to think about what matches our experience what doesn't match our experience what we'd like to see more of and sort of have fun with it Mm -hmm. that's media and that's the point of this little series absolutely we would love to talk about other things that you're watching and that you're interested in so please let us know And we'll come back to picture this for another series. You can check out our website and send us a note of what you'd like to hear more about. Our website is www.psychessentials.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at Psych Essentials. 
You can check us out on iTunes where you can rate, comment, and share the show. Our music is by Javier Suarez off his album Tumbling Dishes. There's a link on our website. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye.